Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. We are beginning today a shift in our series, Summer Readings. I want to go into The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee, Chapter 7, The Eternal Purpose. And I want to read over the next five episodes excerpts from this chapter. I cannot wait to share this with you. Take a listen. Let it sink deep. And let us remember this is what the Father's heart desires. And let us be to Him and to our generation who He meant for us to be. Here we go, my friends. Enjoy. Chapter 7, The Eternal Purpose from the Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Love you all. The Eternal Purpose, Chapter 7, The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. We have spoken of the need of revelation, of faith, and of consecration. If we are to live a normal Christian life, but unless we see the end God has in view, we shall never clearly understand why these steps are necessary to lead us to that end. So before we consider further the question of inward experience, let us first look at the great divine goal before us. What is God's purpose in creation? And what is his purpose in redemption? It may be summed up in two phrases, one from each of our two sections of Romans. It is the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and the glory of the children of God, Romans 8.21. In Romans 3.23, we read, quote, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Close quote. God's purpose for man was glory, but sin thwarted that purpose by causing man to miss God's glory. When we think of sin, we instinctively think of the judgment it brings. We invariably associate it with condemnation and hell. Man's thought is always of the punishment that will come to him if he sins, but God's thought is always of the glory man will miss if he sins. The result of sin is that we forfeit God's glory. The result of redemption is that we are qualified again for glory. God's purpose in redemption is glory, glory, glory. Firstborn among many brethren. This consideration takes us forward into Romans chapter 8, where the topic is developed in verses 16 to 18 and again in verses 29 and 30. Paul says, quote, We are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to usward. Romans eight sixteen through 18 And again, whom he foreknew, he also foreordained to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, and whom he foreordained, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Romans eight twenty nine and 30. What was God's objective 
it was that his son, Jesus Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren, all of whom should be conformed to his image. How did God realize that objective? Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Thus God's purpose in creation and redemption was to make Christ the firstborn son among many glorified sons. That may perhaps at first convey very little to many of us, but let us look into it more carefully. In John 1.14, we are told that the Lord Jesus was God's only begotten Son. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father. That He was God's only begotten Son signifies that God had no other Son but this one. He was with the Father from all eternity. But we are told God was not satisfied that Christ should remain the only begotten Son. He wanted also to make him his first begotten. How could an only begotten son become a first begotten? The answer is simple, by the father having more children. If you have but one son, then he is the only begotten. But if thereafter you have other children, then the only begotten becomes the first begotten. The divine purpose in creation and redemption was that God should have many children. He wanted us and could not be satisfied without us. Some time ago, I called to see Mr. George Cutting, the writer of the well-known tract, Safety, Certainty, and Enjoyment. When I was ushered into the presence of this old saint of 93 years, he took my hand in his, and in a quiet, deliberate way, he said, Brother, do you know I cannot do without him? And do you know he cannot do without me? Though I was with him for over an hour, his great age and physical frailty made any sustained conversation impossible. But what remains in my memory of that interview was his frequent repetition of these two questions. Brother, do you know I cannot do without him? And do you know he cannot do without me? In reading the story of the prodigal son, most people are impressed with all the troubles the prodigal meets. They are occupied in thinking what a bad time he is having. But that is not the point of the parable. My son was lost and is found. There is the heart of the story. It is not a question of what the son suffers, but of what the father loses. He is the sufferer. He is the loser. A sheep is lost. Whose is the loss? The shepherd's. A coin is lost. Whose is the loss? The woman's. A son is lost. Whose is the loss? The father's. That is the lesson of Luke chapter 15. The Lord Jesus was the only begotten son, and as the only begotten, he has no brothers. But the father sent the son in order that the only begotten might also be the first begotten, and the beloved son have many brethren. There you have the whole story of the incarnation and the cross. And there you have, at the last, the purpose of God fulfilled in his bringing many sons unto glory. Hebrews 2.10 In Romans 8.29 we read of many brethren. In Hebrews 2.10 we read of many sons. From the point of view of the Lord Jesus, they are brethren. From the point of view of God, the Father, they are sons. Both words in this context convey 
the idea of maturity. God is seeking full-grown sons, but he does not stop even there. For he does not want his sons to live in a barn or a garage or a field. He wants them in his home. He wants them to share his glory. That is the explanation of Romans 8.30. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Sonship, the full expression of his son, is God's goal in the many sons. How could he bring that about? By justifying them and then by glorifying them. In his dealings with them, God will never stop short of that goal. He set himself to have sons and to have those sons mature and responsible with him in glory. He made provision for the whole of heaven to be peopled with glorified sons. That was his purpose in the redemption of mankind. So we're going to close here at this um, introductory portion of chapter 7. Check out those scriptures. Think upon this. And let Holy Spirit reveal to you who the Father is to you, who Jesus and Holy Spirit are to you, and who you are to them. And will you yield yourself to them now, fresh, fresh, at this point in your life. Love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.